Welcome to Integrative Medicine Solutions with Forum Health, the podcast. Our nationwide network of integrative and functional medicine providers believe in a new standard of healthcare, one that creates optimal health by focusing on partnering with you, understanding your needs, learning about your unique health history, and getting to the root cause of your concerns. Using advanced testing, emerging therapies, and the latest technology, Forum Health providers are at the forefront of integrative and functional health care for all. Your journey to better health starts here. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for a very special ladies' night on rejuvenating women's sexual health. We are so excited for a candid and open chat about topics and health concerns many women are experiencing, but don't always talk about. My name is Britt with Forum Health, and before we begin, I wanna give you a brief introduction on who we are. Forum Health is the first nationwide provider of personalized healthcare that combines functional and integrative medicine with advanced treatments and technology, data analytics, and collaborative relationships. Our patients have exclusive access to breakthrough treatments, results-driven wellness programs, health content, and a team of nationwide experts to help you achieve your wellness goals. To learn more, please visit us at forumhealth.com. Now on to our main event, our wellness chat. Here to answer all of your burning questions are three of Forum Health's leading experts in women's sexual wellness. Please welcome Megan Biggs from our Westlake Hills and Austin, Texas locations. Megan is an adult gerontology acute care nurse practitioner who specializes in functional medicine and integrative therapies. Welcome, Megan. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, next up is Dr. Connie Casebolt from our Greenville, South Carolina clinic. She's a board certified physician, internationally recognized for innovative approaches to aging, bioidentical hormones, chronic disease management, thyroid disorders, and ozone therapies. Welcome, Dr. Casebolt. And thank you, I'm glad to be here. Yes, absolutely, we're happy to have you. And then last but not least is Susan Harris from our Couple Texas location. Susan is a board certified family nurse practitioner who combines the very best of Western science with a broader understanding of the nature of illness, healing, and wellness. She specializes in regenerative medicine, sexual wellness, bioidentical hormones, peptide therapies, and many more. Welcome, ladies. We're so happy to have you. Um, so we have a lot of interesting and important topics to cover in this hour. And at the end of the chat, we'll be opening up the forum to questions from the audience. If you have a question at any time for our panelists, simply send us a message using the questions function in your GoToWebinar dashboard. Okay, so let's dive in and get started. Hormonal balance tends to be at the top of the list for most women. And while hormones are extremely important chemical messengers that affect many aspects of our overall health, they can become imbalanced leading to various health issues. Um, Dr. Casebolt, I'll start with you. Could you talk to us about women's hormones and how they become imbalanced as we age? So the number one factor is what you just mentioned, age. So our ovaries are the primary producer of these, what we call the sex hormones. And as we get older, it, everything just tends to kind of wane. It can start as early as age 30, believe it or not. Um, but there's other factors that can cause either deficiencies or imbalances. Um, one of the prime ones is stress. And in this year of 2020, who among us is not under stress? Um, it would be a rare person. Um, other things like toxins or inadequate sleep. So it's kind of the entire milieu that we're in. Um, and then you just factor all these things together, and it's just very common for women to um, start losing their hormones. And I think one of the things you mentioned, the balance, we lose our hormones at different rates. So we tend to hang on to our estrogen for the longest, but we can start going through what's called an ovulatory cycle. We're not ovulating. So now our progesterone production is down. Um, and then stress and, and being on birth control pills and uh, synthetic hormones can make our testosterone tank 
Um, and so it creates the perfect storm where we just start not feeling like our, our normal selves. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm sure a lot of our audience members can relate to that. Um, you know, Megan, what would you say are the top signs a woman should look for that would indicate her, her, her hormones are um, out of balance or out of whack? Um, there's a lot of different signs and symptoms that your hormones are out of balance. And like Dr. Casebolt mentioned, um, it can happen as early as your 30s. Some people even like late 20s will start to realize that their hormones are out of balance from different symptoms. Um, so some of the symptoms might be starting with brain fog. Uh, so brain fog, being forgetful, um, trouble sleeping, that's a really big one. Um, hair loss or even excessive hair growth could be a hormone imbalance issue as well. Um, GI issues, so constipation, diarrhea, bloating are really big ones. Dry skin, itchy, like if you're itchy everywhere. Um, what else? Uh, being excessively fatigued or sleepy um, is another big one. And uh, irritable, so mood changes. Um, you just feel like you're not yourself. I think that's a really big one. You just feel like something's off and you just feel like you're not yourself with your family or coworkers or your friends, things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. I think a lot of us ignore those signs oftentimes because we think it's it's normal in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Dr. Caseboarder Susan, anything to add to that? Anything else that women should be should be looking for? Hot flashes and night sweats are often a complaint that we hear. You know, when that estrogen starts to tank, it's like, oh my gosh, they can't get enough air conditioning and the hus they're freezing their husbands out finally. <laughs> exactly. It's the reverse now. I would add the big one, which is partly what this is about, is low libido. And this so adversely affects marriages. I used to wonder when I was young, you know, why do older men uh, and, you know, or couples in their 50s, why do they split up? And then he wants a younger woman. And it kind of became clear to me because we lose our hormones. You know, we go through menopause around age 50-ish. Um, women lose their testosterone. They lose their desire for their partner. And it wreaks havoc on relationships. Um, so yeah, low libido or inability to achieve orgasm. Um, these are all also signs of low or um, insufficient hormones. That makes sense. Um, Susan, kind of going back to you, now that we know the signs of imbalanced hormones, what can women do to correct that imbalance? Well, the first thing that we recommend is, you know, seek out a functionally minded, integrative approach in a provider. Uh, I see it day in and day out. Patients come to us and they have not got answers because no one's looking at the labs as optimizing their health and wellness and especially the sexual health. They're just looking, you know, it doesn't fit in the normal lab range. So getting a functional lab panel and having a provider who's comfortable treating you till optimal, which is going to affect the symptoms, not necessarily just the lab numbers. Uh, we also see epidemic levels of patients that have been on long-term birth control, whether it's an IUD or birth control pills that are synthetic hormones, and they look like a menopausal woman and they feel horrible because their sex hormone binding globulin has become elevated from the synthetic hormone response. And they're just stuck. So their body doesn't have access to those hormones. So, you know, talking through those decisions of what you're going to do for birth control, if you're still, you know, fertile and you don't want more kids, um, looking at a healthy lifestyle. I mean, a lot of obese patients, you know, sometimes your hormones can be bound up in your fat storage. And so you need to kind of fix the other problems first so your body can have access to, to the hormones. And then, like I say, seeking out different balances, it's, it's about the balance. I mean, you may not only need estrogen. You know, historically, women have been put on Primarin and just like one hormone, not all of the hormones, but most of us need all three to feel truly balanced and optimal. Definitely, that makes sense. Dr. Casewell, I see you nodding your head. Um, is there anything I'm sure that you wanted to, to add to that? Yeah, so it may or may not be obvious, but I think I'm the oldest of the three panelists. So I have been through personally it's kind of funny before I went through menopause, it was an abstraction. It's like, oh, you know, I was in denial that that would ever happen to me. 
and then you start having these symptoms, you know, the poor sleep, the lack of libido, et cetera, the low energy, the brain fog. Um, but yeah, as she mentioned, it's so critical to be tested. Um, and it's funny, so many of my patients express surprise. They say, well, my other doctors never tested me. You know, they just slap an estradiol patch on them or put them on Prembrin. Um, but, you know, we are all about when appropriate, according to labs and symptoms, um, of providing bioidentical hormones. So I always tell my patients, there are several caveats if we're gonna replace your hormones. Number one, we don't want them to be synthetic um, because there are just so many toxic side effects from that. And then number two, they have to be delivered correctly. So we don't wanna be swallowing a bunch of estrogen or testosterone because it could affect the liver or some blood clotting issues. Um, so again, we can do transdermal under the tongue, pellet therapy, which is my all-time favorite. Um, and I can't remember if we're going to be talking about these methods later on, but pellet therapy is where we take small compressed bioidentical hormones and in a quick painless procedure, they're implanted in the fat tissue in the upper outer quadrant of the butt buttocks. And the whole procedure is very quick, maybe five minutes. Um, and then they slowly release over the next three months. And it's just ideal. Uh, women who experience pellets usually don't want to go back to anything else. It's just so wonderful. That's great. And I, I think we are going to discuss it later on, but I love that you touched upon it now because I, I know that's something that a lot of women have questions about. They may have heard about it, but don't know exactly what that is. So, um, so no, I, I appreciate you touching upon that now. And, you know, I wanted to ask you in that same breath, um, you mentioned menopause and even perimenopause. Why why do women need hormones before, during, and after menopause? And I know that may seem like an obvious question, but some of our viewers may not fully understand why, why women need those, those hormones. Um, so I'll, I'll chip in first and then you ladies can add. Um, I think we earlier mentioned we probably reach our hormonal peak, maybe between 25 and 30, but after 30, it can be downhill. Um, so let's just, let's just say you, you're still making plenty of estrogen, but you don't have enough progesterone and or testosterone to balance that, then you're going to be in what's called an estrogen dominant state. And there's all kinds of problems that can arise from that. Uterine fibroids, uh, fibrocystic breast disease, these can be manifestations. Um, and so you don't want to be imbalanced any more than you want to be low. And like Susan mentioned, um, we're going to treat to the optimum lab, not just within a range. When, when you get into functional and integrative medicine, you realize that you don't, you don't want to be in the bottom 10%, which is, quote, in the normal range. So you want to be typically mid or higher to be optimized. At, at least that is the way for most, um, most of us. Um, so, yeah, you, you always want to address the imbalances, the ratios, because it's like a symphony. They need all the players to be there to create that hormonal, you know, happy hormone um, result. Right. Yeah. And I'll just touch on what Dr. Casebolt was saying. When we're looking at a normal range, a lot of times we're looking at a normal range for that age group as well. And so if it's normal for that age group, that's probably pretty low to what your body is used to. And we're really kind of looking at a bell curve. So it's it, it there's a wide array of numbers and so it's re not really good to be in that reference range if we can keep you at an optimal yeah at an optimal range um and i think from a evolutionary standpoint we were basically meant to reproduce and then once our hormones start to taper off is really when things start to shut down when we start to see a lot of those signs and symptoms and so um, these hormones can be really protective, cardioprotective and protect your bones and your skin and have a whole lot of, and your brain, yeah, have a whole lot of benefits that can be um, actually dangerous if they're not in the right um, levels. That makes a lot of sense. I know it seems very basic, but I appreciate you sharing that because I don't know how many people realize how critical it is. Um, yeah. Just add one thing, you know, women will come to me and say, well, it's natural to go through menopause. And so I said, well, this is where we have to have a philosophy discussion. Do you want to let Mother Nature take its course and spend the final third of your life without these highly protective hormones? Because she mentioned, um, you know, Megan mentioned cardioprotective, bone protective, 
brain protective and so many other tissues, or do you want to be proactive? And you know, when I went through menopause, I, I could have done nothing, but instead I chose to learn. I went to some very credible sources, books and bioidentical hormone conferences. And what I found was just this incredible amount of knowledge on the benefits, especially the earlier you get started after menopause, the better. Uh, and so I didn't look back. I've been on um, pellet therapy actually, actually for almost 10 years. And people usually think I'm younger than I am, which I consider a testament to my own therapy. Um, and I wouldn't have the energy to run my office if I didn't have these nice hormones keeping me energetic and thinking clearly and so forth. Absolutely. No, that's, that's fantastic information. Um, kind of, you know, going off of the theme of, of menopause and also perimenopause, um, Susan, could you maybe talk to our audience about what therapies are available to women either in menopause or in menopause, in perimenopause or in menopause now? Um, and how effective are they? Yeah, so, you know, in perimenopause, kind of the theme that I see a lot of is it's more the PMS type symptoms, um, heavy bleeding or irregular, long, crazy periods that nobody wants to be dealing with. So sometimes that's just a, the first step is balancing out that estrogen dominance. And with bioidentical progesterone, it's also very therapeutic in helping with the sleep. Uh, so that's usually the first step that we see a lot in the perimenopausal game, which starts like you say earlier and earlier, um, to Dr. Casefield's point, you know, women, we still have a lot on our plate, whether it's raising children or dealing with aging parents or working. No one sits on the front porch in our rocking chairs with sweet tea anymore. You know, we're all very crazy busy. And so I think that's why this whole anti-aging movement has really taken off with the Suzanne Summers movement. You know, women are expected to do it all and keep all the balls in the air. So I think that's why it's more crucial to have the hormone balance. Uh, the other thing that we see epidemic levels of as well are like low ferritin and nutritional markers. To me, if those markers aren't optimized along with the hormone balancing, it's kind of like shoveling snow when it's snowing. You know, if they're having heavy periods and the ferritin levels just continue to drop, they're still going to be exhausted until you rebalance that out. So we always like to try to, you know, use the bioidentical hormones first, or we use a lot of herbal things too in our younger patients that are college age, like chaseberry, uh, magnesium. I mean, all those things are very therapeutic and just balancing that out, um, especially if they're leaning towards being on a synthetic birth control. I really try to give them all the options and the facts. Uh, one thing that I found interesting at a, the anti-aging medicine conference this last December was just the nutritional deficiencies that do happen when you're on birth control pills. Nobody really talks about that and the long-term effect that that has on our overall health just by not having the basic nutrients necessary to provide all the physiological functions. So uh, we offer a lot of different hormone options at our clinic. We do um, we do do oral progesterone, um, transdermal creams. We can have it compounded in little sub-Q injections. And then we also do a lot of the pellet therapy as well. So really it just depends on the patient and their lifestyle, you know, and what their comfort levels are. Um, Nathan or Dr. Casebolt, anything to, to add to that that you'd like to add? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know you, you covered it, Susan. <laughs> Deal with you it all day long. <laughs> you do it all day long. Um, you know, Dr. Casebolt, one of the one of the questions I know we get a lot is how does a woman know if she's a candidate for for hormone therapy? Um, what would you say to to a patient that has that question? Yeah, so uh, the the fortunate answer is is that most women are candidates. Um, there's going to be a few medical conditions to where they're not. So if they're actively engaged in fighting a current breast cancer, um, they're, you know, that's not probably something I'm comfortable with. If they've got a strong personal history of blood clots, um, developing blood clots, that's probably another contraindication. Um, but really, we sit down and interview women um, and 
and usually it turns out, I mean, I would say over 95% do turn out to be candidates. Um, so it's just very much a, you know, you talk to each patient and then you figure out, as Susan mentioned, which method they're most comfortable with. Um, there are pros and cons to each method. Um, you know, I, I love the pellets simply because most of my patients will come back and they've already tried the creams and the trochies, which are under the tongue. Um, and the pellets just give them that nice sustained level that just carries them on. Um, I had tried other methods before I got on the pellets and, you know, I can unequivocally state that for me, it's the best choice. I do have some women, whoever, who, however, who do prefer other methods. So it is individual. Um, and, you know, like Susan said, we want to correct for other things. And I also find a fair amount of hypothyroidism uh, because as we get older, that gland also can sometimes not produce optimally. And of course, we don't always have to put them on prescriptions. There are some good supplements that can support the thyroid. Uh, but again, paying attention to everything, diet, um, sleep, et cetera. I think, I think, can't remember who mentioned oral progesterone is wonderful because it helps um, to stimulate the GABA receptors in our brain, which is for a nice restful sleep. So I have so many women who come back in after their first, uh, we put the estrogen and testosterone pellets and then we put them on oral progesterone. They come back and they say, ah, oh, sleeping like a baby. And they just feel so good. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you're right. I mean, we have to have, I mean, sleep, I think a lot of us neglect sleep, but it's it's so essential and so critical. Um, that's what was wonderful. Thank you so much, ladies. Um, we're actually going to now move on um, to a different topic. So we're going to move on to, sorry about that, let me get my thing. Um, we're actually going to move on to the topic of urinary stress incontinence. Uh, it's a very common condition, happens when physical activity like uh, coughing, sneezing, exercising, and uh, yes, even laughing, creates pressure, pressure on the bladder causing urine to leak. Um, Dr. Casebolt, going back to you, can you explain a little bit more about why women experience this, particularly as they age, and what exactly causes it? Yes, so the obviously the anatomy of a woman's urogenital tract is different than that of a man's. The urethra in a man traverses the penis, and it's, it's a longer tube, shall we say, Whereas in women, the urethra, which is the tube leading from the bladder to the outside, to the meatus, the opening there next to the vagina, is very short. And if the angle that the, that the urethra leaves the bladder is compromised, if it's too straight, then there's uh, the sphincter alone, the muscle by itself, may not be strong enough. Um, and of course, childbirth, uh, you know, if you have a big baby, you deliver a big baby vaginally, um, that can probably cause some trauma on the way out. And then, of course, as we get older, we're losing our hormones. And the entire urogenital tract is dependent on some hormones. Uh, and this, is, this can be a case where transvaginal application of bioidentical hormones can really help because uh, it just kind of sucks it up and gets right in where it needs to be. Um, so those are the reasons, you know, um, age, uh, lack of hormones. So we always want to, you know, my first step is to always add in those hormones first. And then I think as this discussion progresses, there's some other things we can talk about, but, you know, start with the hormones. That makes sense. Anybody else have any, any little things to add? Yeah. I always like to think of the hormone optimization in the the vaginal canal, it's, it enhances the collagen and the glycogen, which is like the mattress that kind of keeps things in place. And I mean, I had a patient one day, she was like, I can't jump on the trampoline anymore without wetting my pants. And so I gave her a sample of just some vaginal estrogen. I said, here, try this. And she just looked at me like I was crazy. And she's mm -hmm. like, how's that gonna help? I'm like, just try it. And so she came back and she was like, I can totally jump on the trampoline now. And all she needed was just a little bit low dose vaginal estrogen just to kind of help regenerate that area just just a little bit so i think that's helpful that's fantastic that's really great and you know susan um while we're talking about it what are there any type of lifestyle changes women can make to um 
to treat urinary stress incontinence or kind of help to mitigate some of its effects? Is there, are there anything, I know you mentioned um, the estrogen cream, anything else that, that, that you would suggest? Well, I think obesity plays a big role. I mean, if you are carrying around a lot of extra weight, obviously it's gonna, gravity's gonna take its effect. Um, you know, there, so just overall health and wellness, uh, the targeted hormones like we talked about. And then we do also use a lot of um, specific probiotics for the vaginal tract, just to keep, keep the good guys kind of fighting and keep that pH balanced. Sometimes that can become an issue. Uh, one of the other things that I see a lot of, I don't know if you guys see it in your practice, but just women who not only have the leaking, but they have a lot of pain and discomfort in a condition called interstitial cystitis. And there are some new interesting therapies out for that um, and testing that looks for different pathogens that may not be picked up on other specific labs. So I think that affects sexual wellness as well in our, in our patients that are struggling with that. Definitely. Um, Megan, I'll kind of jump over to you. What treatments are available? I know Susan touched on one. Um, what treatments are available for this and, and how do no women know if they are a candidate for, for these treatments? Yeah, um, we have uh, in the Austin offices, we have a machine called Votiva and it's a vaginal rejuvenation. And a lot of times people don't put together vaginal rejuvenation and stress incontinence symptoms, but um, it can help with stress incontinence symptoms. So like you mentioned, if you have stress incontinence with sneezing, laughing, coughing, jumping, <laughs> um, anything like that, um, the Votiva is a, it uses radio frequencies and it's a wand that can actually go inside the vagina and also on the outside on the labia and it can help to tighten and firm um, the pelvic floor muscles uh, so that you can, you would experience less stress incontinence that way. Um, and then it also helps with uh, the vaginal appearance and tightening the skin. It can help with circulation. Um, it can even help regenerate some of that circulation to that area as well. And so um, there's a lot of benefits with the, with the Votiva or other vaginal rejuvenation procedures. Absolutely. And anyone else, open up the, the floor to, to anyone else if uh, there's any other treatments you wanted to mention to our audience. Yeah, so we also do some of the regenerative therapies like the, the O-shot, the orgasm shot with ERP or exosomes or different regenerative options. Um, those are pretty helpful to kind of help, you know, add extra stem cells to that area, whether it's for the incontinence or the sexual dysfunction. Uh, one other thing that I think is important for us to talk about, because a lot of women get to this phase and they're having sexual dysfunction and issues with their partner, and it's like digging deeper into the emotional side, checking to see if they've had a history of abuse, sexual abuse or emotional abuse. I think that can play a big role into our sexuality and how we connect with our partners. Um, and I, I don't think we talk about that enough. Um, and sometimes even seeking a, you know, a sexual therapist or counselors who can work with the couple to, you know, be comfortable with their bodies and patient with each other because it's a mutual, you know, mutual yeah. kind of approach. And, you know, men often do have a higher libido. So sometimes they have to, instead of being the microwave, they have to understand that we're more of the crock pot and be patient. <laughs> <laughs> I like that analogy. <laughs> That's a great analogy. But it's true. You, you know, talking about the, the mental health aspect, I don't think we touch upon that enough. So I appreciate you bringing that up. I think that is really critical. Dr. Casebolt, I'm not sure if you were going to mention anything. Um, well, we none of us have mentioned the Kegel exercises, which... Mm, yes. Um, yeah. So just that, that practicing of that tightening and then the relaxation of all the muscles down there. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like exercising. If you exercise that muscle, it's going to become more, more strong and more robust. Um, and I want to touch on, she mentioned the O-shot. Um, and, and I'm just wondering, some people listening to this may not know what PRP is. Um, so we do that shot in our office as well. And of course, PRP stands for platelet-rich plasma. So we draw your blood and then we process it in a way to where we're extracting out just the platelet-rich part of it. Um, and there's two parts to the procedure. 
Um, and so the, in one part, and of course we use a numbing cream, uh, in one part we're, we're putting a little bit of PRP right uh, into the clitoris, which sounds painful, but it isn't because I've had this done, so uh, I, can, I, I can speak personally about it. Um, and that kind of plumps up the clitoris, and then it's going to make uh, sex, sex more enjoyable. Um, and of course it lasts for quite a few months. But the other, the most of the PRP is actually put into that area called the G-spot. And so it, it accomplishes two things. First of all, the G-spot is actually anatomically kind of the root of the clitoris, so it's all part of one um, entity. But by putting it in there, it also changes the angle that the urethra leaves the bladder at. So it's, it's optimizing that angle, which is why it works basically overnight for um, incontinence. I've just seen some amazing overnight improvements in uh, the urinary incontinence that women have. So it's, it's a really cool thing to kill two birds with one stone, have better sexual pleasure, and kind of solve the um, losing the bladder problem. Because all of these different conditions kind of go in together, right? If you're having vaginal discomfort um, and low libido, you're not going to enjoy sex. I mean, it's it's they all go together, um, and I'm I'm glad you you kind of segued into that direction that we're going in. Um, I'd like to talk about sexual enjoyment and really getting your libido back. You know, a lot of women as they age uh, can experience vaginal discomfort, uh, loss of sexual desire. You know, making sex more of a chore rather than pleasurable, and I don't think anybody wants it to be that way, and it doesn't have to be that way. Um, so, Megan, we'll start with you. Can you help us understand why women experience vaginal discomfort, um, dryness, irritation, burning, or even pain during intercourse? Yeah, um, so one thing we talked about was, was aging, and so it occurs with aging and with the imbalance of hormones. Um, so when we start to lose our estrogen, especially, that can cause um, some dryness and discomfort. Um, it can happen with trauma, so trauma with sexual intercourse or trauma from childbirth, like they mentioned pushing out a 10-pound baby, that's going to be pretty traumatic um, for a vagina uh, and a person in general, um, so that can cause a lot of discomfort as well. Um, surgical menopause, which is removing the ovaries, and so that's going to stop production of hormones, so uh, like a whole hysterectomy. Um, even medications, um, antidepressants are another one that can um, kill libido and cause vaginal discomfort as well. Um, antihistamines, there's a lot of different medications that can cause that. So um, you wanna look for different pharmaceuticals that can cause vaginal discomfort. Um, and then another one is lubrication. So if we lose that, so if the glands aren't working properly and even as we age, we sort of lose that good lubrication and so you might need to supplement that as well. That, that makes sense. Um, I know we kind of touched upon it a little bit, um, but Susan, I'll go back to you. What treatments are available for vaginal discomfort? I know you already well, mentioned a few, but. Yeah, I think we've talked about quite a few of them. Um, some of the newer things that have crossed my path and you know, I do a lot of women's health, so I'm always looking for the latest, greatest different things, but there we have a device it's called a v-fit and it's a looks like a little personal vibrator but it's actually got an infrared light technology and so a lot of these regenerative therapies whether it's we have the mona lisa vaginal rejuvenation laser which is a co2 uh, but it just kind of keeps your treatment working longer by that light therapy uh, we all hear a lot about infrared light and the benefits of you know regenerating different things uh, we work a lot with our compounding pharmacies in the area, and they are often very creative. If you have a patient that's really struggling in a certain area, they make some, it's called Scream Cream or Yell Gel, or they have different kind of creative names, but there's different recipes and things that they can use to help increase that sensitivity in the area. Um, you put it on the clitoris, or you can kind of use it a little bit every day to kind of wake things up down there. And then one of the newest things that I've dabbled in on a few patients are some different peptides. Um, it's quite interesting. The, there's one called PT-141 that really does help enhance the libido. And um, I've used it in men and women. And um, 
it's pretty powerful. So I think there are some cooler, newer things out there that we we're going to get to dabble in. So I love that. Dr. I, I know that you probably have some some input on that um, of other other treatments to to really help women get their mojo back. Yeah, so a lot of it's been covered already. Um, I've been quote dabbling in peptides too. So the PT141, um, and then it was actually derived from another group of peptides called melanotan one and two, and um, now these peptides, they do work pretty well. They can cause um, you to get more tan, uh, <laughs> a little bit more pigmented. For some people, that's a great thing. Uh, for others, maybe not so much. Um, it, and like she said, it works for both men and women. Um, I've occasionally used oxytocin, which is known as the cuddle hormone. It's actually the um, hormone that's released with an orgasm, and that's what makes couples want to cuddle after they've had sex. But if you take it in um, in advance of sex, it can um, help. I see. I, we use it almost exclusively in women. It can help put women more in the mood. Um, so there's oxytocin. But other than that, you know, making sure the testosterone is optimized and making sure. Um, um, you know, I think Megan mentioned if they're on antidepressants, uh, the SSRIs like uh, Zoloft and Prozac, they have a huge inhibitory effect on, um, on sexual function. In fact, uh, Paxil is actually used for premature ejaculation in men. It has such an inhibitory effect on achieving orgasm that they use it as a, an antidote for this premature ejaculation. So, you know, if women are on antidepressants, I'm going to go down that bunny trail of trying to help figure out a functional approach to depression and help them get over that so they can get off that medication. And then invariably, we're going to see uh, a better sexual response. And then Susan mentioned relationships. You know, some women, I think, don't like their partners, so they're going to have trouble getting that optimal sexual response if they have some kind of relationship issues. But it's, a, it's again, it's a big, big puzzle and you just sort of chip away at which piece seems to be most. And, 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 and again, with functional medicine, it's never just one thing. It's like several things. So the aging, the lack of hormones, and, and then how are they managing stress? Um, so many things. Yeah, and as a mom, I have four teenagers right now. And I know, you know, women, we are, our brains are constantly thinking about okay, what else do I have to do tonight? And what do I have to get done in the morning? And who needs to be where? And I think for just understanding your love language, you know, sometimes sex starts in the kitchen doing the dishes. <laughs> yep. <It's, laughs> you know, like you're going to be more in the mood if you have yeah. help doing all those other things. Sometimes we need to give the men tutorials on how to romance your wife. Yeah, like you say, the dishes. Um, they need some guidance. <laughs> so. Right. I agree. I think the big benefit of of going to um, you know a practice, uh, integrative and functional medicine practice, is really you're looking at the whole picture. You're looking at everything. You're looking at the hormones, the age, um, you know, the the complete whole person, which um, I think is is probably more successful in a, in a lot of ways. So um, I see questions are pouring in. I think you've stirred up a lot of intrigue here. Um, Anything that you wanted to add before we dive into some so, into some audience questions? Yeah. Um, go ahead, Susan. Yeah, one thing I was just going to say too is date your partner. You know, I think we do get caught up in the busyness of life and don't take the time to just go on a date or go on a vacation alone without kids. I think that's very important to stay connected because I know it's easy to just slip into the busyness of especially 2020 and the craziness that that has been. Um, but I think it's important to date your partner, take a vacation and, you know, just stay emotionally connected because then obviously the, the physical will hopefully follow. Yeah. And I was just going to say, um, yeah, that's great advice. I was going to say, um, don't give up hope. And uh, I think what's really exciting is we do live in a time where people are really embracing functional medicine which is so great because we really do a root cause analysis, um, not just a, like a symptom management. And um, don't give up hope. If you've gone to conventional providers, 
um, you know, as well-meaning as they are, a lot of times they don't look at things like hormone imbalance and they'll just look for that regular reference range and say, well, everything looks good, but you don't feel good. And so, so we really want to listen to how you feel. And that's a lot of times how we guide our care as well. So, and we look at both, but I think it's exciting that we get to have this discussion and it's not something we just have to suffer through, which I think you know, maybe your parents or grandparents did have to kind of quietly suffer through it, and we really don't have to. So, that's great advice. I love that there is hope. That's the most important takeaway. There is hope and there's options. Um, okay, I see a lot of hands coming up here. Uh, if you do have a question, just as a little reminder again, uh, you can use the question tab in the GoToWebinar dashboard. Um, so, just leave your question there. Uh, let's get started. So Jennifer, hi Jennifer, um, she wants to know, she's like, I have low libido. Um, I have low libido and when I take testosterone, it helps, but it also triggers cyst on the left ovary. Um, and I guess wants some, some help with understanding that. So whenever I hear about cysts, I always think iodine. Uh, I, in one of my functional medicine conferences, basically if there's a cyst somewhere, you're probably low in iodine. Um, this is again where we functional doctors are completely set apart from mainstream because they don't really think too much about that mineral. They think, well, your salt is iodized, you're good to go. Um, but I've seen some amazing responses with iodine. I, I'm, this is not an ovarian cyst, but I had a lady come in who had a pristine lifestyle. I mean, she was just eating everything organic and lots and lots of produce, but she still had fibrocystic breast disease. And so I put her on iodine and she was just blown away at, they just melted away, just melted away. Um, so again, this is where you want to get guidance on dosage. You need to go to a, a doctor who knows what they're talking about because there's such a thing as overdosing. There's always too much of a good thing. Um, but iodine, I also would look at diet um, because, you know, if you have a cyst on the ovary, you think polycystic ovarian syndrome, and that's kind of like a subset of, or a type of diabetes. So it is, it is responsive to a better diet, a lower glycemic diet. Um, so those are my thoughts. Ladies, what else do you think of? Um, toxins, I think of toxins too, um, because I think that's your body's way sometimes of, of sequestering something is kind of putting it maybe in a cyst or putting it in the fat cells, things like that. But um, looking at toxic load, because I mean, toxins were just inundated with so many toxins. Like I didn't even, I mean, I, I didn't even know about them until I got into functional medicine and I was really blown away. I mean, I always just thought, yeah, pollutants and things we breathe in could be toxic, but it's it's in our foods, it's in our water, it's in the air, um, they're everywhere. So I would think of toxins too. It really is everywhere. Um, thank you, ladies. Uh, so Anne writes in, hey, Anne, um, what is treatment uh, what is pellet treatment for? Can you just explain a little bit further? And I know we we touched upon that. Could you maybe just uh, clear up any confusion about pellet therapy? Yeah, so I mean, I can start and then if you can add in. Um, I mean, pellet therapy, we primarily use that to optimize your estrogen or testosterone levels. For most of my patients that are in more in that perimenopausal stage, it's usually just testosterone to start. And then as you get older and the hot flashes and the night sweats and all of those things set in, then you add a little bit of estrogen. So it's just a bioidentical form, a delivery method of delivering those bioidentical hormones that you don't have to maintain. For women, it's every about three to four months. And for men, it's about every six months. Yeah, the way I explain it to my patients, these pellets are, are tiny. They're about the size of a large grain of rice. They are pure. They are pure, compressed bioidentical hormones. So they're exactly um, what your ovaries used to make and your body accepts and uses them just as they would if your own ovaries made them. And they're sterile, so there's no germs to them. And again, the procedure is quick and painless. Um, I've done over 7,000. Um, I lost track after that. Um, but we numb up. It, it, they're placed in the fatty tissue in the right upper quadrant of the buttocks. 
and everybody, even thin women, have a nice little fat pad there. Um, and there's not too many nerve endings. So, of course, we numb it up first. Um, we make a little puncture stick with a, called a number 11 blade. And we have a little instrument called a trocar that's in a sterile tray. So we've dumped our sterile pellets into the end of the sterile tray. And then we just kind of insert this little tube. It, it creates a hollow tunnel. And we use a little pusher to push it in, pull it out, done. And most women, um, they'll ask me if I've gotten started and I'm done. They go, you're done already? I didn't feel it. So they're just so happy, especially with their first one. Um, and the accolades I get, I wish we had time to play. I've actually filmed some videotapes of some women who've had pellet therapy. And they say, you know, you shouldn't use the word life-changing, but this is life-changing. Um, I just could go on and on. I have some really funny examples. Um, I've had women in their 40s, and as Susan mentioned, at that age, we generally just give the testosterone. And by the way, testosterone is a wonderful mood stabilizer. And it also can help heart palpitations and migraines and because it's anti-inflammatory. But I have some women in their 40s and their kids will tell them, mommy, isn't it time you go get that happy insert? <laughs> I've had women say that their coworkers will say, hey, isn't it time for your pellets? You're getting a little, you know, a little edgy. You're getting moody. Uh, so it's, it's kind of funny. But yeah, I do pellets. I, there's not a day goes by that I don't put some pellets in people and they love it. It just, it changes their life. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Case Bolt. Yeah, I Megan. think, I yeah. think um, it's really important. I just wanted to mention is if you're doing your own research to make sure that you're differentiating bioidentical hormone replacement from hormone replacement, like they mentioned from our um, Premarin and um, because there's a lot of, uh, dangers in that that are pretty recent that we found out about um, as far as just a hormone replacement that we used to do. So. Yeah, and, and this is actually, I'm, I'm going to bring a caveat here. If you look at the medical literature, there are even some physicians who fail to differentiate between, for example, natural bioidentical progesterone versus a progestin, which has, is synthetic. And so this is crazy, but the state of California, for example, uh, progesterone is forced to carry a label that it is carcinogenic. It is not carcinogenic. It does not cause cancer. It probably protects against cancer. But the state of California, in its infinite wisdom, it requires this label. So doctors who don't study bioidentical hormones, they often, they just don't know the truth. And, they'll, and they're still giving outdated advice like, oh, just get on hormones for just as short as you can, can around menopause and then get off. Well, I'm in Suzanne Summers' camp. I'm on them for life, baby. I'm not getting off my hormones. They make me feel too good. And there's no metabolic reason. There's no physical reason of any kind to get off hormones. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on them for the rest of my life because they're, they're keeping my bones stronger. You know, women develop Alzheimer's at much higher rates than men. And I think it's partly the hormones. You know, men don't tend to have that steep drop off like we do around age 50. They keep having at least some hormone production kind of indefinitely whereas we women don't. And I think that's the number one reason. And also bone density, you know, 75% uh, of people with osteoporosis are women. And, you know, you see them all hunched over like this and they can't get a big breath because they're, they're hunched over. And again, hormones are the most effective way to keep your bones strong. So when I go to family reunions, my cousins are shrinking and I'm not because I'm on hormones and they're not. So yeah, you can kind of capture my um, enthusiasm because I know what it's done for me as, as a postmenopausal woman. Yeah, and I hope that that answered uh, answered your question. No, that, that's great. Um, okay, moving on to Monica. So Monica says she's on bioidentical hormones, including progesterone and testosterone, and has a very healthy active life, lifestyle. Um, she's been off of birth control for about eight years, but still has a very low libido. Any advice? Do you want to talk? It really depends on what your levels are. I mean, you may have a higher optimal range that you need to target. Um, if you're on transdermal, you may not be absorbing it as efficiently anymore. So you may need to change the delivery method, whether it's a sub-Q injection or, or try the pellets. That's what I would say. Yeah. That's great. 
Okay, moving on. Um, question in from Sherry. How do you know when you don't need hormone supplements anymore after the treatment? I'll go back to my original thought. I'm, <laughs> sure. The benefits are so profound. And actually, I don't have it with me here, but at the office, I show my patients a book. I say, if you really want to be academic, you need to read this book, Safe Hormones, Smart Women. Uh, it's by Dee Lindsay Berkson. She is a tremendous um, biomedical researcher and great author, and she explains it better than I can. And it just goes chapter after chapter, you know, how hormones are good for the breast and the bone and the heart and the brain. It just goes on and on. So again, this is an outmoded, outdated, and inaccurate um, uh, thinking that we have to stop hormones. If they're making you feel better, which they should, if they're done correctly, there's really no reason to get off because we, we want to keep our bones and our brain and our heart healthy indefinitely. We don't want to stop that. Um, so I don't know of a reason to get off unless there's some miserable health challenge. Um, I mean, there could be some exceptions to that. But for the most part, again, I'm with Suzanne Summers. I'm on it for life. Well, and I tell my patients too, I mean, the number one killer of women is still heart disease. And when do women die of heart disease? It's when your hormones tank. So it just mitigates that risk of, you know, the number one killer. None of us are getting out of life alive is what I tell my patients. You know, and I had three sisters, they were all my patients and one got breast cancer, one got heart disease. And the other sister was like, what do I do? Like, you know, do I stay on hormones? Do I not? Because she was worried. She didn't know which direction her genetics were going to take her, but you know, she chose to stay on the hormones because she felt so much better quality of life. So you have to look at quality, quantity of life. I mean, no one's at this point leaving here alive. Mm -hmm. And also the incidence of breast cancer goes up after menopause. So after we lose our hormones, the incidence of breast cancer goes up. So again, um, my patients, I always tell my patients, I can't guarantee that you're not going to get breast cancer, for example. Um, but our therapy is not going to make things more risky for you because, in fact, if anything, I say it's either neutral or possibly less because testosterone helps prevent breast cancer, progesterone most likely helps prevent breast cancer, better diet, maybe some iodine or DIM, which is a supplement that, that helps you metabolize estrogen correctly. All of these are things. Um, but yeah, I don't see, again, everything is individual, but for most people, they can expect if they want to, to keep taking hormones. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's see, Carol wrote in and she said, are hysterectomy, hysterectomies still recommended for postmenopausal women or when would hysterectomies be recommended? <laughs> it's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah, you know, the insurance companies have gotten more strict with criteria. So now surgeons can't do hysterectomies unless there's a bona fide reason. And obviously, this is so insurance companies can control cost and probably a good thing. You know, it used to be that if you had heavy bleeding, um, it, would, it would be recommended. And now you can do the uterine ablations, which, you know, the gynecologists do. And a lot of women are really happy after that. That takes care of, uh, some women never bleed again, and other women just have a much lighter flow. Um, so again, the old reasons for hysterectomy would be fibroids. And sometimes, the, the, so fibroids are benign tumors that are like in the muscle or the wall of the uterus. They're not cancerous, um, but they can go, they can grow so big as to create discomfort and or heavy bleeding. So sometimes if, you know, if there's a large fibroid uterus, got to take it out. Um, but I, I think more and more surgeons are more careful in this day and age than they were, say, 30 years ago about preserving the ovaries. And so if you can keep those ovaries in, you're at least going to get some function from those until natural menopause happens. Um, but yeah, so reasons for hysterectomies would be, you know, super heavy bleeding if there's, if you can't um, do an, uh, an ablation. Um, and of course, I'm sure these two ladies know heavy menstrual bleeding can so often be corrected with a functional approach. A lot of these women are low thyroid and 
their thyroid levels haven't been measured correctly. So they don't know they're low thyroid and neither do their doctors. Um, or they're just, who knows, other things. Maybe their, their estrogen levels are too high and this can respond to diet and supplements. Um, so there's, there's ways to modulate that. Um, some women have a severe prolapse where the ligaments and muscles are so weak that the uterus is just sort of sunk. You know, it's, it's just, it's so close to the opening to the vagina that it's uncomfortable. Um, so again, there's varying reasons, but hopefully our surgical colleagues are not as apt to remove the uterus as they used to be. And um, I think it's good for women if they can keep their body parts by and large. Right. Yeah, the one main reason I can think of is if you have uterine cancer, which is still an issue that does happen every now and then. And then we have some uh, providers in our area that are interventional radiologists that do uterine fibroid embolization that cuts off the blood supply to the fibroid in the uterus. Sometimes that's helpful if they want to preserve their their organs, their girl parts. So. Mm -hmm. Um, another audience member wrote in, my daughter, husband, and I have found we have hair loss with testosterone, pellet, and injection treatments. Is there a way to offset this? Um, well, I mean, you could check other other hormone, um, maybe like thyroid. I don't know if, if that would be a possibility, but that might be a reason if your thyroids are off. Um, so you could check that for sure. Um, checking different vitamin levels, uh, especially like the B vitamins, even like vitamin D, vitamin E, things like that you can check. Um, so I think there's other things you could investigate for sure with hair loss. Yeah, hair loss, it depends whether it's diffuse, meaning all over, or male pattern, which is right here at the temples and then, you know, right up here. Um, so there are some people, including women, who genetically just have that tendency for that male pattern baldness to be a problem. And yes, they are gonna be sensitive to testosterone. It's actually to the dihydrotestosterone version. Um, I used to think I could measure dihydrotestosterone in the blood and predict who would get it. But then I found, no, you can have nothing in the blood, but it's still being expressed at the hair follicle. Um, so Megan mentioned vitamins and minerals. Um, you have to have zinc to grow hair. 30% of the population is low in zinc. You have to have iron to grow hair. A lot of, you know, a lot of people are iron deficient. So we try to do a, a pretty good mineral analysis and, um, and vitamin analysis. And we look at diet. And this is where um, I have found a peptide. Uh, Susan, you may be using the GHK copper peptide, which comes as a topical foam. Um, there's also, uh, I sometimes put my patients on a supplement called Nutrafol which has some DHT blockers in it. So it's a one, that's one they take by mouth. And, and I will often use, use a combination, you know, because women, especially women, they get pretty desperate when they start losing hair. Um, sometimes I'll use a prescription medicine called spironolactone, which has been around since um, probably about 1980. Um, I'm dating myself here, but I was, a, I was a medical student when that drug came out. And it's mainly used for blood pressure, but it doesn't work that great for blood pressure but they found that it seems to counteract the effects of testosterone at the skin and hair level. So uh, we sometimes use that, uh, but I almost always use more than one approach. Um, I just found out that one of the pharmacies that um, Belmar Pharmacy has a great topical where they combine Rogaine uh, along with the GHK copper and I think a few other things and it's a topical and I'm looking forward to using that. It sounds like an awesome formula. Um, and then we have our, if, if worse comes to worse and people really want to see hair regrowth, we do the PRP and exosome hair restoration injections. Um, and my nurse practitioner is really good at that. That's her department. She does it. Uh, and so it's a four part treatment where every two months, People come in, we put a numbing cream on their scalp, we draw their blood, and then of course we're main, the main rate limiting factor is letting that numbing cream take effect. And then the first time we inject exosomes, which are a regenerative treatment um, derived at the birth of a healthy baby um, in a grid-like fashion, so every little, every little bit. And then we follow that with PRP 
And then every two months from then on, we just do PRP. And we've had some amazing <laughs> hair regrowth with this procedure. It's amazing. Uh, we have some great before and after pictures uh, that's on our website that, um, that showcases. Anyone else? Um, so I'm going to move on to the last question, unless anyone has any other comments on that. No? Okay. We have, it looks like, one more question from Kathy. Kathy says, I'm 61 began using oral progesterone and compounded topical testosterone cream after my body became re began rejecting it, actually pushing out the pellets I had been using for five years. I now experience continual spotting. Um, any advice for her or, or suggestions? I think that's gonna be more complex than we can probably answer here. Um, so, if people extrude or push out the pellets, it is, I have some women who just do it like once every five years, so it's not repeated. Um, some women do it more often, um, and it was actually Susan telling me about a pellet uh, supplier that has a little bit of, I think you said cortisone in there, just as yeah, try similar. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, and that kind of adds a little bit of anti-inflammatory effect. So, so one solution might be, see if your pellet supplier can find, uh, or if your pellet provider can find a supplier that has that cortisone. And I don't know the name of that pharmacy where Susan gets her pellets, but I remember her telling me about those. Um, but other than that, it, it would just take sitting down in the office and just you know going through, let's see, I mean, troubleshooting, just because yeah, that's, and, and if, if she's postmenopausal, I'd have to wonder why she's not also on any estrogen. Um, usually women need all of those, all three. So, but that would probably, you know, I think all three of us panelists encounter some really challenging patients. I have people I say to them, you know what, your body just forgot to read the book. <laughs> and so it, it's challenge. Um, I'll give you two examples. I, I had one woman who became suicidally depressed if she got any estrogen, like any. So I kept her, I did testosterone pellets and gave her progesterone by mouth and she did great on that. But I learned the hard way, don't give her any estrogen. Then I had somebody else who could not tolerate any testosterone. So she did very well on just progesterone and estrogen. And then all my other women are everywhere in between. So it's, it's very, some women need a lot of estrogen. Some women need more testosterone. That's kind of the art of the medicine that we practice and keep my job fun because, you know, every woman's a little bit different, but we usually figure out a, a solution. The only other thing I can think of potentially is if you've been getting pellets for a long period of time, you may have a lot of scar tissue built up if you're more of a scar former. And so I know I've seen providers use like the gains wave or some device to break up scar tissue and then kind of start fresh. Maybe that would help that pellet stay in there better. I don't know. Or maybe even ozone. I know, Susan, you do ozone? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I sometimes use ozone to break up scar tissue. Good idea. Thank you so much, ladies. I don't know if you want to leave us with any closing thoughts uh, before we close out this wellness chat. I've enjoyed participating and I am so impressed by my co-presenters. Um, next time I'm in Texas, I'm going to look you guys up. Uh, so you Texas ladies, you've got two fantastic people to choose from. Uh, so again, find your way to their office. If you're in my area, I'd love to see you. Um, there's just some good answers out there. So don't give up. Just there's people out there like us that can help you. Yeah, and what I tell people too, if you don't have a form health provider in your area currently, to contact your local compounding pharmacist because they usually know the providers in the area that are more open to the alternative therapies and know how to dose you correctly. Yeah, and a um, little uh, shout out to Suzanne Summers too. I just finished her book, Ageless. It's a fantastic book um, and I learned a lot. She's got a lot of books, but that one I just finished. So, um, and then I just, I just love talking to you guys. This was really great. And I'm so glad we can have this discussion now openly. And um, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Thank you guys so much.
Thank you, ladies. It was really important we took this time um, this evening. Hopefully, we answered everyone's questions and um, gave you, you know, some answers to some burning questions that you may have had. Thank you, the three of you, for your your time, your expertise. It's a really important topic. And to everyone who joined us this evening, please visit us at forumhealth.com. Schedule your free minute, fifteen, uh, your free fifteen minute consultation over the phone. Uh, there's wonderful people that are happy to help you. Um, also make sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We post great content there, blogs, videos um, from providers like you've seen tonight. So make sure to connect with us. And, um, and thank you so much. I hope everyone has a wonderful night. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Dr. Casebolt. And thank you, Susan. Have a great okay. night. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. Bye. Thanks, for, thanks for joining thank us. You. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Forum Health Podcast. Forum Health is the first nationwide network of integrative and functional medicine providers. To learn more about this topic and to find a Forum Health provider near you, visit forumhealth.com.